Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Assistant Pastor Tim Rogers. So this morning, we're going to talk about separated, a crucified life. Okay? Um, this goes along with the message series that Apostle's been talking about and preaching about the last several weeks. He's been talking about being separated. So this is just another extension of that. Um, But we're going to talk about it from a crucified life a little bit here. Um, I believe that God wants us to be reminded of some things that um, is very easy for us to forget. All right. So um, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, We're going to start reading it at verse 22. And it says, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. So this is talking about people that aren't Um, believing in the resurrection of Christ. It's talking about how that is foolishness to them. So dropping down here, it's saying it's distinguishing the people on what they're looking for. They're looking for signs. They're looking for wonders, okay? So it says, for Jews request a sign and Greeks uh, seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Notice what he said, Paul is saying they preach. Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks a foolishness. Amen? And let's go ahead and turn over to chapter 2, um, and then we're going to read verse 2 here. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All right, so here again, he's talking about what we need to be focusing on as it relates to the gospel, that it's about Jesus and him being crucified for our sins. Amen? Amen. All right, so... As we think about this, um, I was kind of wondering where I wanted to start out here, and the thing that came to me was the movie The Passion of the Christ. How many, how many people have seen that? I'm, I'm hoping that everyone has seen it, all right? If you haven't had the opportunity to see it, please, as a Christian, you need to see it, okay? Um, it's one thing to read it in the Word about what happened to Jesus um, and how much he suffered, how much he got beat, um, and there are definitely parts of the movie that are very graphic. I will be very honest with you about that. But for me, it was something that I needed to see. And the reason I needed to see it is, is because I needed to be able to quantitate what I've read to something I can physically see. Now, what's really dramatic about that is, is that for as graphic as that movie was, it still didn't show all of the totality of the beating and things that he took for us. It was something that really changed my life as it related to my appreciation for what God had done. For any person to go through what he went through because of our sins. Because of the love that he had for us. So I I do want to paint this picture in your mind a little bit before we get a little bit further into this. What he did on that cross. Because it's about him being crucified. That is how we have our sins forgiven. Amen? So when you think about the crucifixion, though, um, a little bit, of, I did a little bit of history on it. Like, wh- where did it come from? Wh- what was it about? So I'm going to read it to you a little bit because I want to put this in context on why this is so important and the mandate and what people thought when they saw someone get crucified. Okay? So it said, it's a method of capital punishment in which a victim is tied, nailed, or otherwise attached to a large wooden beam and left to hang for several days until eventual death from exhaustion 
or asphyxiation. So wait a minute. So this was meant to be something cruel. This was above and beyond punishment for someone if they received this as a death sentence, crucifixion. Not only that, it said under ancient Roman penal practice, crucifixion was also a means of um, exhibiting the criminal's low social status. So now, wait a minute, not only is it humiliating, not only is it painful, not only is it supposed to last for days, the person is supposed to suffer, but now it's only for certain select people. Because really what they're saying is, is that if you got a little money, yeah, maybe you did something, you might die, maybe, but it wouldn't be by crucifixion. Low social status. So this really opened my eyes to, wow, this is what they thought about our Savior. Out of everything they could have picked, this is what they picked. When they were before Herod and Pilate and petitioning for him to be crucified. This is what they were saying about our Lord. It was the most dishonorable death imaginable, originally reserved for slaves, later extended to citizens of lower classes. It's horrible to think that they would think anybody would be that bad. Imagine having to be on that cross. Imagine people walking past you, laughing, hitting you, beating you, spitting you, spitting at you, thinking nothing of your life. That's what this was about. And our Lord said, I'll take it gladly for them. That, that's a whole lot of love, saints. For something that he knew we were going to do. That, that's, the, that's even, he knew what we were going to do. He knew how we were going to fall short. And he still said, I'm still willing to do it. So God died on the cross for us so that we could be separated from the world. So now the question is, is that he's asking us, are we willing to die to, to remain separated? Are we willing to die to the things in the flesh to remain separated from this world? That's the question of the hour. Because we have to have a crucified life. If we don't, holiness and righteousness isn't following in us. This is what separated is being about. We, God wants the difference. Black white. That's it. And I believe this is time that the church, we got to get it right. We've got to stop blaring the lines. He didn't blare the lines. He went up there knowing what was going to happen. And now he's asking us to pick up our crosses. Now, the great thing about this is, is that we need to pick up our cross. That's really what we're going to talk about. There are reasons why we need to have it. Because without it, it's a whole lot harder to walk this walk. 
If we go over to Matthew 16 and 24, it said, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. All right? There are three things in there that he talks about before he says follow him. So before we could even talk about being one of his disciples or following in his footsteps or doing the things that he was doing, we got to do these things first. So the first thing is we got to have a desire. That is not something that somebody can do for you. Either you want it or you don't. Now, here's the great thing. What came to mind when I saw the word desire is, is that um, sometimes you'll get individuals that'll say, well, you know, God knows my heart. He, he knows where I want to be at. He knows. Well, yeah, the problem is he does really know. So when we read this scripture, we have to make sure that we keep in the context who's actually saying the words. This is just not a random person. This is the Lord saying that. So if you truly don't desire it, he knows. So we have to get that part right. We have to desire him. The next piece is denying ourselves. Oh, boy. Now, th now this, this, this one's the doozy, right? Because there's a lot of things that I, if I was honest, I don't want to deny. If I'm thinking about it from my fleshly standpoint, I don't want to deny that. Right? But God is saying that we have to deny these things so that we can continue on this walk with him. We got to get away from how we want to do things, how we want to say things, how we feel about things, when we feel about these things. All of those other examples of what's happening about how are we denying ourselves. And then the last piece is, and then take up your cross. Now, what's interesting is about taking up your cross is, is that I believe after looking at the scriptures, you can't have denial and the cross. They have to go together. You can't have one or the other. Because if you fail to deny yourself, then you by default put your cross down. Right? Is that? Because if you're not willing to deny yourself, then you're not going to get on that cross anyway. The cross is there to help us maintain the fact that we are denying ourselves. That's why we need it. So if we don't want to get on, if we don't want to deny ourselves, then there's no need for the cross. So we can't have one without the other. We have to do both. Right? Because we need all of it to help us maintain what's happening, and what is influencing us, right? Now, you're going to ask me, well, how do I know that? I, I'll, I'll tell you how. J Jesus did the same thing. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he pray? He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. W what was that? He had to deny what he wanted because he, he said, let this cup pass from me, Father, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So what was he doing? He was denying what he wanted at a moment in time to take up the cross later. So Jesus showed us the example. So that's how I know that we have to be able to deny ourselves first before we can take up the cross. Because he wouldn't have went to the cross if he had said, let this cup pass from me. 
That would have been his will at that time, right? So he would have went. He wouldn't have went. He asked the question. So that tells me that we have to have both. Denial of self. Now, what I want you to see out of this whole message is, is that why a crucified life should be beneficial to us. That's what you're going to see. Because it's going to allow us to have things not be attached to us. All right, so let's talk about salvation for a little bit. Salvation, salvation. So when we talk about sin, the Bible tells us that all sins roll up to three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, right? So every sin rolls into one of those three. Well, salvation has three uh, Ps that I like to call them that go with it, right? Through salvation, we're saved from the penalty of sin. Through salvation, we are saved from the power of sin. Through salvation, we are saved from the presence of sin. Those are the three. So now getting that and kind of tying it into the cru- a crucified life is, is that this is, this is the part that we have to see. Two of those, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get immediately. Two of them. The first one is the penalty of sin. We get that as long as we continue to walk with Jesus, we get that. What's the penalty? Eternal damnation in hell, right? So we are saved from that immediately. As soon as we get saved, JoJo's going to help, right? The next one is we are saved from the power of sin. We get that one too because then we get the Holy Ghost. He is the power for us not to sin. Right. So we shouldn't be. Now, we understand that we are still in these bodies. Right. So I'm not trying to overlook that point. But what I am saying is, is that sin has no power over you. It is dead. We just read it. It said if you died, you were crucified with him, then you are freed of sin. It does not have power. The power it has is the power we give it. Amen. But the last one, we don't get immediately. We don't get that to either we die and see the Lord or he comes back and get us. And that's the presence of sin. But that's the one that causes us problems. Because there's always sin around us. Everywhere we go, there's sin. And what happens is, is that if we are not living a crucified life, the sin that is around us tries to attach itself to us. Why? So that we have blemishes. So we can look and recognize things and faults in other people and not ourselves. So that's the part that we have to see is, is that that's what gets us in a lot of trouble because it tells us that we can't. We got to. The presence of sin is our problem. Because the sin ain't going to be gone until the Lord burns the earth up, right? Everybody, you know, go to the back of the book, right? Right? He's going to actually burn this whole earth up, right? That's when sin is going to be eradicated even from the ground, gone. But until then, sin will be somewhere. 
So the part that we need help with is, is that we need to help managing the sin that is around us, not necessarily the sin that we are individually committing. That, that's not necessarily the problem. The problem is, is that when you're getting influences from all of these other avenues, social media, movies, work, kids, children, relationships, all of these things, depending on where those people are and what kind of walk they are walking, can have an influence on you directly. And if you are not sheltering yourself enough, they can leech on you. All right. So three reasons to have a crucified life. That's what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to go home. Three reasons to have a crucified life. All right? So we're going to go ahead and turn to the word. Let's go, ahead, go over to Galatians 5, 24. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start reading. And it said, and, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. All right. So reason number one we need to have a crucified life is fleshly passions and desires have to die. If we're not living a crucified life and we're expecting the passions and the desires of our fleshly nature to stop, they will not. Now, why this is important is, is that now you have to always think about this as to that last piece of the presence of sin, right? So over in Ephesians 4 and 27, it tells us what? We should, never, we should not give place to the devil, right, or the enemy. So if we give place, well, he's already always around. He's around the things that we are around, right? So now if we give a spot to him, we just open the door. Now, y'all going to act like y'all don't have fleshly passions and desires. Because that's how y'all looking at me. Like, no, no, this don't ever happen. I don't care if it's from music to food to media to, oh, oh the kids was, who almost says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. So <laughs> to relationships. Right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> right? Because if the right person walked past you, oh boy, because now, now the enemy knows everybody's type in here. I don't care what you like. He knows it. So what do you think you're going to see most of? <laughs> now, if your fleshly passions and desires are not in check, it only takes one little comment, one email, one phone call, one text, one Facebook post, one picture, one Instagram snap, whatever. It only takes one thing to get something started that shouldn't have been started. Because the, the bait is there. Now, Apostle has talked about that, whereas when we have the bait, right, the bait. It's only good if the fish is hungry. Now, here's the thing, though. What we have to realize is, is that our flesh is always hungry. And if we start trusting in it, that's what it's going to give us. Passions and desires. So now you didn't, uh-oh, 
I didn't stepped out there and did something I shouldn't have done. Now you've opened Pandora's box. Now the foothold is there. Now we got to pray to keep ourselves straight. Because the passions weren't crucified. So we have to have this crucifixion in our own lives. We need it. One of the worst things we can ever do is trust our flesh. Now, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to tell you me. Every time I thought I was going to try to trust it, it didn't work. It failed miserably. I don't know. In my mind, I'm rationalizing. Well, you know, I'll say it. I won't, I won't do it. Yeah, right. There are circumstances just right. And I'm like, oh, now, now I feel like I can't stop myself. Well, what is that? Because now you didn't let it out. It's raging. It's not a little tap on the shoulder like, oh, you know, I'm here. No, now it's saying, come on, come on, go ahead, do it, go ahead, go ahead. You want to do it, you want to do it. Now you're having this battle in your own mind with your flesh. So God is saying, I'm trying to keep you from even getting there. Crucify your life daily. Then we don't have an uprise of passions and desires. Does that make sense? Amen, amen. All right, let's go to number two. There's only three. (laughs) 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 You don't want no more, right? (laughs) All right, Galatians 6. Again, this is supposed to be a reminder. These are things that we should be walking in anyway, saints. But when we get it reiterated through the word, it should fortify who we are in Jesus Christ. This is what this is about. This is not about coming down. This is things that we all have to do. And if we don't manage it correctly, we can be in trouble. And we can't be separated truly for God if we're not walking in these things. If we're not doing them, we can't be separated. We cannot be separated. I want to make sure that's clear. We cannot. There is no other way. We have to have these crucified in our lives. Galatians 6, 14. As for me, God forbid, oh, I'm reading the New Living Translation real quick before I read this because I like the way this read a little bit better. It says, as for me, God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again, the cross. And I've only got about seven scriptures in my whole message here about the cross or the crucifixion. It's all over the New Testament. It's mentioned so much, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't even know that I realized it was mentioned that much. Because when you only read one scripture and then you read something else and you study something else, and then you, it's all over it. So here it is again. I should not boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in, in this world died long ago, and the world's interest in me also long died. So the second reason we had to have a crucified life, interest in worldly pursuits die. Worldly pursuits. So what this really is, is lining us up with the kingdom. That we're not about the worldly agenda. Because notice I said pursuits. These are things in the world that most people want to gravitate to. 
Now, I'm not saying that we can't have something, so I'm going to give you an example. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a good career, but your good career shouldn't make who you are. Does that make sense what I'm saying? That's a worldly pursuit. Everything about me is about my job. It gives me fulfillment. It tells me that I'm successful. It tells me that I am who I am. No, it doesn't. Now, I'm not telling you you shouldn't do a good job either, right? We just heard from our individuals and Christians in the marketplace, right? So we should be working with integrity. We should be the ones there on time. We, we should be the ones willing to stay late when we need to. I ain't saying somebody should beat you up, but we should be the ones doing that because we're representing Christ. The Bible tells us to do all things unto God. So it doesn't matter what we put our hands to. It should be a sacrifice to him. But letting your job tell you who you are, that's a worldly pursuit. To have a house just to say you can have it and gloat about it, that's a worldly pursuit. God is saying, no, we got to be about his agenda. How are we advancing the kingdom? That's what this has to be about. How we, are we showing the love of Christ? How are we helping folks get to Christ so they can be delivered, set free, whole, healed, blessed? Those are pursuits of the kingdom. This other stuff? Yeah, we have to make sure that we have the balance on what's happening in our lives. And we need to have the, crucifi uh, the crucified life to do that. It keeps our mind regulated on where we need to be. It allows us to have a new lens. Ooh. All right, so any, uh, people that wear glasses, right? After a while, you got to get those things tuned up a little bit. All right? I, I need to tune up right now. <laughs> I can't see nothing sometimes. I'm like, oh, Lord. See, and I used to be all cocky about it, too, see? <laughs> I don't need no glasses. I can see. Now I'm like, what, what does that say? So <laughs> over time, we need to have those lens cleaned off. How is our viewpoint? How are we looking at things? How are we evaluating it? Our filter should be the word of God. But if we have the worldly pursuits on us and we have an interest for them, I was very deliberate about the wording that I use. Notice it says interest. That means you're drawn to it. You think that's what it is. That's an interest. This is not just something that's sitting dormant. So we have to have those lenses refined. Get our minds renewed. Right? In Romans, right? 12, right? We got to renew this mind. That's how we make sure our lenses are still clear. Because they might become cloudy because we're walking through a whole lot of mess sometimes, saints. Let, let's be real about this. We, we are going through a lot of things. I, I'm not saying that we're not. But what we can't do is allow it to obstruct our view. And one of the ways that it gets attached and obstructs our view is, is that if we have some minor pursuits in us that we feel like that's going to validate who we are. All of your significance is in Christ. Amen. People struggle all the time because they feel like they're not significant. 
Why do they feel that way? Because they're looking for it in the wrong place. The only person that can give you that is Jesus. We have to attach ourselves to him. Because if we align ourselves with his death, then we align ourselves with his resurrection, right? We just read that at the beginning. All right? So keep the lenses clear. Clear lenses. Amen? That's number two. Interest in worldly pursuits die. All right, last one, last one. Galatians 2. I love how the Lord put this together. They're all in Galatians. So we had the three Ps, and now we got the three Gs. <laughs> Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm going to keep emphasizing it. There it is again. I have been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oops, wrong one. The last one is we're able to live a life. Oh, that, I misspelled it wrong, sorry. I'm able to, we are able to live a life fully offered to Christ. Uh, excuse my, I left the word in there. I think I changed it at the last minute. So we are able to live a, a fully offered life to Christ. That's what it's supposed to say. Okay? Life to Christ. All right? Because this scripture is talking about how that it's not us that's living, it's really Christ that's living within us, right? So to have a crucified life allows God to live through us. If we don't allow that, then it's about us trying to do our own thing. Now we're valuing our life too much. And the Bible talks about that the person that tries to save his life will lose it, right? And the person that was willing to give up his life will gain it, right? So what he's saying is, is that eventually we got to get to a point that we're willing to give up our own life. And when we do that, we become an offering to him. Which is our reasonable service. Right? We get to have a fully offered life unto God. Now, the pinnacle of our lives really should come from being with Christ. The problem is, is that we've, and a lot of people have gotten to the point that the world is just so good. We've gotten so used to what the world can offer. And we try to balance that with what we think we get in the kingdom. I'm just going to be frank, thanks, that, that, because we're trying to evaluate it. Well, if I give up this and I do that, nah, that doesn't seem to add up to me. I mean, why would I want to do that? And we're, we're missing the whole thing. God is saying, I've got so much for you that it can never be contained. But you can't get it until you're willing to give your life up completely. It just won't happen. So what we have to understand and know is read his word where he says that it is his life that we gain when we die. Well, what does he have? He has everything. The Bible tells us that he's sitting at the right hand of the father right now. He has everything under his feet. So we the pinnacle of our lives is in Christ, not in what we can get here. 
And then look at it from the standpoint of how much pleasure the Lord would get out of our lives. I know I, talk, I think I talked about it a little bit last time I preached with Job. Wouldn't you want God to be able to say, go ahead, go ahead. I, I dare you. Try them. I trust him. It, it won't be an issue. Now, that's a lot to take on when you think about what Job went through. But look at the awesome honor that he got from it, though. There ain't many people God says in the Bible, I dare you to test them. It, where does he say that? Job. That's, he's in a class by himself. Wouldn't it be awesome to say God says, I know that person's a class by themselves with me. We so strong, it don't matter. But we all have to work there, and how we work toward it is a crucified life. We get there through it that way. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Does that make sense to everybody? All right. So the three reasons we need to have a crucified life. Our fleshly passions and desires have to die. Um, Interest in worldly pursuits die. And then we're able to live a fully offered life to Christ. So when I started thinking about how I wanted to close this message, I wanted to, uh, I read a story um, from uh, a theologian. Um, I've been doing a lot of studying on old theologians and things of that nature because God's just kind of got me in that place. Um, and it's pretty awesome what these men and women of God um, have said and the, the experiences they've gone through. Um, but I want to read this quick story to you because I think it sums up everything that God has shown us today. Um, and then we're going to pray and go home. All right. And the story goes like this. There was this girl that really liked a boy. Uh, can, we <laughs> can we relate to that one, right? And over time, that boy took interest in the girl, right? It's very simplistic. All right? It was very clear that the boy didn't have a good name in the community. So the girl's father begged her not to go out with the boy. But the girl objected. And the father said, he's not a nice boy, and I don't want anything to happen to you. And the girl said, Dad, I'm okay. It's all right. So then the father asked her, go over to the fireplace and take a coal out with your hands. Okay. And <laughs> wait a minute, man. You got to wait for the end of the story. <laughs> Y'all jumping ahead. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, so then the father asked her to go over to the fireplace and take a coal out with her hands. And she said, why do you want me to do that? And the father said again, please go over and pick up a coal. Don't worry about the heat because there hasn't been a fire in there in a very long time. It won't burn you. And the girl says, I know the coal won't burn me, but if I pick up a coal with my hands, it will stain me. And the father says, that's what I've been trying to tell you. So the moral of the story is, is that God is trying to keep us from stuff, saints. And he's given us the tools to do it. But are we listening? Just like that father, it wasn't about the fact that he thought his daughter couldn't handle it. He didn't want his daughter to get stained by somebody else. But she couldn't see it until he gave her that analogy. Mm -hmm. 
Because once she touches our hand, I don't care about how brief that is, the stain is on her. God is saying the same thing to us. I don't care how long it is. It could be one second to 10 million seconds. It doesn't matter how close you get. Once you touch it, you are now stained with it. It now has a foothold to be an influence on your life. God is saying, I want you to stay away from it completely. And the way that you do that is through a crucified life. Amen. Amen, amen. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.